Hey, y'all, and welcome back to the Rabbit Hole Show. Um, we're here with two um, lovely people that I've known for my whole life from Charlotte at Carmel Baptist, um, but Beth and Steve Puckett with International Celebration Association. Um, and wanted to have them this week on episode 56 to follow up and just kind of share more about their ministry as last week. Uh, if you haven't listened to episode 55, go take a listen to that. Um, Jai, and I won't even try to pronounce his last name, uh, Ramnit Ramnot, um, shared his uh, story and his mission work um, that is partnered with uh, their ministry. But I want to welcome Beth and Steve Puckett onto the show. Thanks for coming, y'all. Yes. Yes. It's an honor. Um, so that I've known them, as I said, I guess probably close to 32 years since I'm about to turn 32 here in two months. Um, but thank y'all and just want to turn it over to y'all and let y'all kind of share your story as um, their ministry has um, been around since 2006. And just want to have them follow up and talk more about their relationship with Jai and the work that they're doing down in Guyana. So I'll let y'all share some and we'll just have a conversation. Great. Well, uh, I'm Steve and uh, my background is uh, we came here to Charlotte uh, in uh, 1981. Uh, I was the chief operating officer for what's now called the Atrium Healthcare System, which is a very large healthcare organization that's multi-state. And um, I've been in healthcare my entire career, um, left and have set up several for-profit healthcare companies, taking them public, private, public again, uh, that sort of thing. But when I turned 40, I went on my first international mission trip. That was a men's trip. There were 22 of us from Carmel Baptist that went down to the little island called Nevis, which is right next to St. Kitts, which most people have heard of St. Kitts. And uh, Nevis is about two miles away. Uh, and we built additions onto three small churches on the island. One of the guys on our trip, a guy by the name of B.T. Prince, met Jai, who was a 21-year-old Hindu that the week before had tried to commit suicide. And he led him to... Jesus Christ is his personal savior on the sidewalk uh, in uh, uh, close to the hotel we were staying. Well, I say it's a hotel, sort of the bunkhouse we were staying at in in uh, in Nevis. And about three months or four months later, Beth went down with a, a group, which I think your dad was on. Yeah, we were just talking about that. Um, yeah, he was on that trip with Nevis, um, in Nevis uh, with y'all. And so... The group followed up with Jai because he and his family and another family that were also Guyanese lived in a little shack uh, out behind the bunkhouse. And uh, that uh, uh, Beth's heart was connected with Jai. And they after she came back to Charlotte, they continued to correspond and uh, Beth would send sermon tapes and um they would write letters back asking questions, theological questions, which Beth could answer. And uh, that began a, a you know, a, a real journey together as we worked in Nevis uh, several uh, for several years. And then Jai felt the call to go back to his home country, Guyana. And at that point in time, we had set up our nonprofit ministry and uh, we told him, look, uh, we want you to do this full time. So, We'll support you, and now we have three full-time staff that are just, uh, you've met Jai, the other two are just absolutely fantastic, 
And the results speak for themselves because this past year we had over 2,000 people accept Christ in God. That's amazing. And correct me if I'm wrong, but 27,000 in total. Over the past yeah. 15 years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually I have the number here. We we were just estimating last time 28,857. That's amazing. Since 2006. Yeah. Which just goes to show if you're consistent, you know, and that's over a 15-year, now 16-year period of time. And so because of that, we work in the prisons and we work in the remote villages that are mostly Amerindian, which is the native people group. Uh, and then we work with children's. Uh, children's programs and and orphanages so forth in the country and because of that consistency the government lets us do pretty much whatever we want to do yeah i remember guy or uh, jai talking about the first time he got the okay to go to the prisons and y'all had to wait a few hours i believe well we had <laughs> there was I, I was on that trip it was the first prison we went into it was the smallest prison in the country it was right by uh the main airport in in georgetown um and the warden they had previously given us the okay to go in, and the warden sort of had a change of heart. And so Jai and Beth and I met with him, and I did about 45 minutes of tap dancing in his office uh, trying to tell him, look, here's what we're going to do. Here's the program, and here's why we think it's going to be a benefit to you. He finally said okay, and it was a, it was a just a rip-roaring success. We had a lot of guys accept Christ that day. And uh, the warden was sort of blown away at what happened. And he then told the other uh, five wardens in the country, you know, this is cool. You know, you go ahead and let them in. And so sort of the rest is history. Mm -hmm. He later became a Christian. The warden did. The warden did. And as a matter of fact, at, at, uh, a few years after that, he ran the entire prison system in Guyana. And they asked us our ministry to build a chapel education center in one of their prisons. And we responded, Hey, we'll put up the money f to buy the supplies, but the prisoners need to build it. Yeah. Give them some work and yeah, know. we're not going to build it. You guys right. build it. We'll, we'll, we'll facilitate it. We'll be the catalyst. Right. And so um, they did a fantastic job on this thing. And it's probably more meaningful for the prisoners to, have kind of some of the equity into mm -hmm. the building and the program. Um, and they're building it and going to maybe take, you know, it more seriously and um, be That's more right. meaningful for and them. And Jai supervised them. And um, so we have a lot of sweat equity in it, and the prisoners do. Mm -hmm. And I got to go on a trip the day, it was a Mother's Day Sunday when they were dedicating that chapel. And you were there on Mother's Day? I got Day? to be there. And um, that warden what used to be the warden and now he was running it he was there and there were prisoners there at the dedication and he gave his testimony about the warden did uh -huh, yeah about wow. when he accepted christ that's yeah. special yeah it was it was wonderful so he went from skeptic to huge supporter that's amazing it's a god thing it is it is that's amazing so um yeah tell us a little bit more and also um there's a trip up coming up in july that i might be going on to guyana um jai wants me to share my story in the prisons which would be kind of cool a full circle of you know being in jail and then being able to share my story well so a lot of the a lot of the guys that are in prison down there are, are in on drug-related crimes really mm -hmm. Because yeah. that is a real uh, transport hub um, in that area, uh, uh, Guyana is, through Georgetown, which is a major port. Mm. And so it, it would be very leveraged for you to come with us uh, 
to tell your story because they'll, you, I mean, they'll identify with you. And that's something that um, also this past week, um, I've been talking um, over the last couple months about careers and um, job and not knowing what to do. Um, but with my career coach this past week, we came to the conclusion after doing several testing that um, I'm going to go back to school and get a master's in counseling. Um, and I was talking with someone earlier today at lunch with all the different treatment centers, counselors I've had. To me, it was always more meaningful and respected them more with you know, them having a pass in mental health addiction kind of that life um they had the life experience but also they had the knowledge so um well the people would be less likely to be able to pull the wool over your eyes because you've been there <laughs> exactly you know, you've got the scar tissue that that you can leverage to help them yeah and that's what i want to do because i've just seen how dark um the journey can be and mm -hmm. how lonely it is and just you're not alone but you feel alone and just how scary it is and you know you're living for the, to make it to the next day. And there's a lot more to life than that. And I just want to be able to help people and show people. That. So I'm excited to announce that I'm starting the process of figuring out. Oh, that's um, great. That's you know, great. going to get a master's in counseling. And um, so, yeah, it's exciting to be able to have be on the other side now and now starting the journey to figure that out. Well, we really would love to have you with us this summer. I'd love, I'm going to sign up yeah. this week. So. Okay. Yay! Yeah, Fantastic. Oh, sign that up this is week. awesome. You know, I'm so. looking forward to Yeah. I mean, it's an intense week. Oh, yeah. I've um, been on several mission trips. Um, you know, a lot of them have been building um, you know, the sweat stuff, mm -hmm. but this will be... That's very different. I was yeah. going to say, this will be a different this one is that very I'm excited different. about. Yeah. So our main um, goal for our ministry is evangelism. We Guyana only has about 750,000 people in the whole country, which is the size of South Carolina. And so we just feel like we know everyone who hears it is not going to accept Christ, but we want everyone to have a chance to hear and have a have a choice. That's so, y'all's mission. Yeah, that's what we. That's, that's right. So our goal is to be able to share Christ and then make disciples of those who do accept Him. But there are so many small little villages. Half the people live in towns, and about half live in. Um, some river villages and some in villages in the savannah and some up in the mountains. And so um, that's our goal is to and what has happened since Jai was here. Um, we have decided that we're going to split and have two teams instead of one go. So our other two staff will head in one direction into the savannah and Jai and our boat captain, well, he's not our boat captain, but he's one who takes them on a lot of their river trips. And he's a Christian and plays music, so Jai will pay him some extra to not just captain the boat, but to help him with the services. Leading worship and whatnot. And then his wife will go with him on a lot of the trips. So we'll be able to do our final river and the savannah at the same time because we so badly want to get to as many villages as we can as fast as we can. And then and, I'm go, I'm going down in a in a, about three weeks. Uh, there's a uh, pastor uh, from uh, Bluffton that uh, last year began a pastor training program for us because when we go into these small river villages, they're very isolated. You don't have a lot of roads. You've got these massive rivers, and that's the way people get around. And uh, we had the first training last year, and 13 churches had independently approached Jai saying they wanted to come under our ministry umbrella. 
uh, to be able to help teach and train them up because, you know, these remote villages, the school system in uh, Guyana is English-based, and it has been since the late 1600s when the British got the country from uh, the Dutch, and so everybody speaks English. But in these remote villages, they'll have a one-room schoolhouse that does really all the grades, kind of like it was in this country back in the you know 1800s. And those schools go through normally the third or fourth grade. And then if the kids want to continue their education, they have to go to one of the bigger towns, but their families are so poor, they don't have the funds to be able to send them. So most of the people in these communities are literate, but they only have about a third grade education. Because of the funds and just the resources. That- exactly. So you can't have a high, you know, in a, in a town of a hundred people, you can't have a high school. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense. So no, they, they, there'd only be a few kids in there. And, exactly. And like you said, you're teaching multiple grades. Exactly. Which is hard. So you've got, you know, when we go into a little village and let's say it's 200 or 300 person village and you've got 60 to 120 people that accept Christ because it's the first time they've really heard the gospel. I mean, you know, the, the, some, somebody's going to feel led by the Holy Spirit to be sort of the leader but you got to get them trained up. And what we do now is uh, we like to partner with other ministries because the one thing I really can't stand is to see duplication of effort and, and, you know, because that makes no sense. Correct. And so uh, 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 Charles Stanley's ministry has something called a, a messenger. That's which in is, touch ministry. Which is like a about the size of a cigarette pack and it's solar powered and it has 200 of his sermons on it. So a lot of times these newly formed little churches will have church around that messenger and they'll have maybe a small sound system. They'll turn on a generator, plug the messenger into their sound system, and then they'll have Charles Stanley preach. We've also got permission from them. If if these uh, uh, guys want to memorize the sermon and deliver it themselves, they Charles Stanley said, hey, just get the message out. I don't care. I don't need to be mentioned, footnoted. Just get the gospel out there. So... That's a great linkage that we have. And so I, we're, we're, we're doing the second uh, pastor training uh, two three weeks from now, and I'll be down doing that. And these people really want to get this training. They're really thirsty for it. And a story. Won't you- okay, so <clears throat> these 13 villages are far apart, and they're on rivers. So um, they're... Two of the 13 leaders are ladies because they live in villages where the men go to the gold mines and they're gone for months at a time. So they need someone who's there. So two ladies have decided to lead their their congregation. So um, the two ladies and two other of the men who are the pastors, plus the two ladies' husbands, so that's six, um, got in what is like a canoe they, we thought it was going to be a boat, but when we looked at a picture of the size of it, it's a canoe with a 15-horsepower motor, and they went 11 hours up the river that they live on, out into the Atlantic, down the other river where the training was going to be. So those six people were in that canoe for 11 hours, and that shows how desperate they are to want to learn. I mean, they are serious about this. And that just um, overwhelmed me to know that they are willing to do that. I mean, that's powerful. It shows that, you know, how meaningful y'all's ministry is and the importance of uh, the message of God and what he can do 
for these people and just everybody. Powerful. I mean, 11 hours. That's. I mean, these rivers, we don't have rivers in the U.S. like the rivers in Ghana. I mean, the Mississippi River, they would refer to it as a creek. I mean, the biggest river is the Essequibo River. It's 13 and a half miles wide. 13 and a half miles wide with a three and a half knot current. I mean, these things are massive because they're, they are the watershed for the northern part of the Amazon rainforest. So I mean, they're massive, these rivers. Okay, so Chad, this, or Charles, I'm sorry. So You know me as Chad. People always ask me, yeah. what do I, and I'm like, if you know me by Chad, Chad. you can okay. call me that. Okay, so. so this summer when you go with us, you'll be going on the Essequibo River because that river houses two of the prisons and those are the prisons, two of the four prisons we're going to this summer. Yeah, there are 400 islands in the Essequibo River, and these islands are big enough. One island has two prisons on it. I mean, these are not small islands. It's big. It really mm-hmm. is. It can hold two prisons. If mm-hmm. that can, kind of, you can kind of visualize how massive this thing is. It's, I'm getting excited talking with you all about, you know, coming this summer now. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. Well, the thing is, um, those of us who... Love the Lord, want to get the word out, but sometimes it's scary to share Christ with people. And when we go on these trips, we do it so often that it becomes more natural and it's easier when we get home to do it, too. A lot of people have said, you know, I just um, I'm scared to go and do it. But once once they have gone on one of these trips and shared Christ with children and prisoners so many times, it really does make it easier to be able to do it as a lifestyle. Yeah, because um, I was um, Christy Buttles. Um, she was episode 49, but as I mentioned last time, she started a podcast. And I went over this past week and did a recording with her sharing my story. But she was talking about um, going in as a woman or as a woman to the male prison and just yeah. how scary um, in her head it was going to be. But then once she got in there, um, felt safe and it was doing the Lord's work. and it all worked out and she was safe, but just kind of, it's uncomfortable at first, just like with the podcast here. You know, when I started out, I didn't really know what I was doing and still learning every, <laughs> every week, but, um, it gets easier and more natural as time goes on. No, and- I was nervous the first time I went in that prison by the airport in Georgetown, where we had to do the 45 minute tap dance before we could get in there. And and we sat out in the, in the van for a long time before they even let the three of us come in. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, the, I was apprehensive and, um, I knew uh, Chuck Colson, who started Prison Fellowship Ministries. And I called Chuck and I said, Chuck, I'm going to this prison. I've never done it before. I'm apprehensive. What, what do I do? He, he said, look, the first thing, the first rule is you never ask them what they're in for. Just don't do that. And I said, okay, got it. So the first guy sat down across from me where I was going to wash his feet, talk to him about the plan of salvation that he had heard in the worship service. And by the way, those worship services are unlike anything you've ever experienced. It's unbelievable. This guy was about 6'2", 6'3", maybe about 225, ripped. Sits down. First thing he says to me, I've only got 14 more years left in my murder conviction. (laughs) And, 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 it just came, <laughs> and it just came out. I said, well, who'd you kill? <laughs> and he said, my wife's boyfriend. I said, oh, my goodness. If you were in Texas, you wouldn't be in jail. They'd give you a medal. <laughs> and, but, but y'all connected over just. Yeah, exactly. It, it yeah. just natural. Yeah. Right. So we, we wash these prisoners feet. We, we go in and have a service. Like Steve said, the worship service is 
absolutely amazing. And then one of our Guyanese uh, preaches and explains the plan of salvation. We let those prisoners know that even they're, though they are behind bars, that they can be free. Mm-hmm. And so when they hear the plan of salvation, some of them accept Christ in the worship service and others are thinking about it and have questions. So they bring out as many prisoners as we have team members and we sit across from them with a, a water bowl in front of us or in between us. And we talk to them one-on-one and uh, wash their feet and answer questions. And some of them pray and receive Christ while we're talking to them. So that is just such a huge thrill. And then um, we leave behind um, Bibles with them and toothbrushes and toothpaste because they need those kind of things too. And then um, our team goes back. They go to uh, three prisons every week to do follow-up. The prisons that are closer, they can do that. And there are active Bible studies in all the prisons. And the, the government's even let us uh, do this uh, do this uh, program in the Guard Academy. Wow. So they've they've seen the sort of the the difference that it makes in the atmosphere of the prison when you ha- have a large group of Christians. Several now, of there, us. I'm sorry. There are uh, a lot of um, Hindu and Muslim uh, guys in in prison there because that's a prevalent religion in that country because of the history of bringing uh, indentured servants from East India, which is where the Hindu and Muslim influence uh, came from um as a matter of fact this guy I was telling you about he uh, he was a hindu because i i asked all the guys you know what's your faith background if any and he said i'm a hindu and i said well how's that working for you and he said it's not and i said well i got good news for you and so i went through the plan of salvation in a very simple way and he prayed to receive christ that's amazing um and just powerful you know a prisoner 62 rip 225 murdered his wife's boyfriend and um getting his feet washed and stuff in christ yeah mm-hmm. And that he was vulnerable, you know, allowed himself to be vulnerable with you. Mm-hmm. Um, They're open. We've yeah. seen lots of tears, and some of them have even asked to wash our feet. I've had my feet washed. And that's special. Oh, so prisoner. for our listeners, why do y'all wash the prisoner's feet? What's the meaning in, um, well, behind Jesus, that? Jesus did it. You said, well, if he did it, mm, yeah. maybe it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we want to humble ourselves and let them know yeah. that we care for them. You know, because a lot of times, amazingly, you know, they kind of put us on a pedestal as Americans, amazingly enough. And, uh, you know, washing their feet really levels that playing field. Yeah. Um, um, so I've we did that when my dad helped with uh, Room in the Inn, um, Urban Ministry, um, which I think now is Roof Above. But um, that was one of the things that they would do with the homeless men uh, is wash their feet. Yeah. Because it just it humbles and um, feet tend to be kind of nasty. I know mine are, but um, prison feet are. I can testify to that. Yeah, <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, when I was locked up, um, I got athlete's foot, so it just kind of show you the conditions. Even in a third world country, the prisons are probably not as sanitary. Oh, yeah. As oh, even oh yeah, so. yeah, it's very different. Steve, very tell them about Herman. All right, so we're we're in a. Uh, in a different prison, not the one by the airport. And the first day, I'm talking to these guys, and there's this guy standing behind me who's an officer in the prison system. And he's, he keeps standing there listening to what I'm telling these guys. I think, uh-oh, I may be in trouble. Let's. And so after it was over, he says, hey, I've got three guys in solitary confinement that I'd like you to talk to. And I said, okay. 
He said, no, you, you don't have to do this because, you know, you might be apprehensive. I said, no, I'm, I'm fine with that. And he said, well, when would you like to do it? And I said, well, how about like now? So we went and sort of you went through like three different sort of locked uh, areas to get to the most secure area of the prison. And this first guy he introduced me to was a guy named Herman. And I told him, I said, well, Herman, my grandfather's name was Herman. And he lit up, you know. You know, that, building that connection exactly, and trust. Exactly. And he had on a white jumpsuit. And I said, Herman, what's with the white jumpsuit? And he said, well, I'm uh, scheduled for execution, uh, capital crime. And I, and I said, well, tell me what kind of flavor of, of uh, religion or spirituality or what, 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 give me your background. He said, well, I'm Muslim. And I said, well, have you read the Sirah, the Hadith, uh, the Quran? Nope. Well, so you're really kind of like from a Muslim family. And he said, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm from a Muslim, but I'm a Muslim. I said, okay, well, let me tell you what the Bible says uh, as compared to what Islam says. So I kind of went through sort of the differences. And then he started wanting to argue. And so I said, Herman, I didn't come from Charlotte to argue with you. I'm here to tell you, here's what the Bible says, and you've got a decision to make. You can either accept it or reject it. I said, but you're about to stand before the perfect judge, right? And you don't have much time. And if and and based on what you're telling me today, when you stand before him, you're screwed. And the warden kind of did a double take. And, did you and, just tell uh, Herman that? Yeah. And 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 so I said, I've, I've got two more guys I got to talk to. So I, I went on and talked to them, and they had very different issues. So the next day, we show up for the second day of work in that prison, and Herman's out in the general population in the worship service. And I, 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 I told, I, I came up to him and said, Herman, what are you doing out of solitary confinement? When you're in solitary confinement, you're stuck there. You're not <laughs> exactly, going back to Jim exactly. Pop. He said, the, prison, the, guard, the warden gave me permission to come out and talk to you. So he accepted Christ. Now, the interesting thing was that Jai, and we didn't know this at the time, Jai had led his entire family to Christ in a river village. So now he accepted Christ. And he and I said, okay, Herman, you've done this. Now let me tell you about baptism and what that means, what it represents. And it, it doesn't save you, but it's a outward demonstration to everybody that you have become a member of a faith community, right? And it's a big deal in a prison because you've got the Muslims, you know, I mean, if you are a Muslim and make a decision to become a Christian— that's bold. And you're in prison, too, not it, a right. safe place. And you're making right. a big state, bold mm -hmm. statement. Right. And it's and these prisons all have these big sort of quadrangles. And, you know, we do the baptism either in a, you know, a baby pool or a 55-gallon, you know, plastic drum or something like that, uh, or a big cistern. Some of the prisons have big cisterns. Um, and so he said he wanted me to baptize him, so I did. And then the, the, the story continues because about six months ago, he had his final hearing before his execution. And he had killed a guy in a bar fight. And so the judge looked at all the information and said, this isn't murder. This is self-defense. You're free to go. So he was in solitary confinement awaiting execution. Mm -hmm. Yep. And now he's free. Back mm -hmm. with his family. And because you were bold and shared faith with him, now he's free. Who knows what he can do, you know? Exactly. That's like right. how many people he will touch because you touched him. That's right. 
um, piggyback on that story, Jai and our team were in a very remote village, and um, they um, were singing, and a, a young man and his wife walked in, and he was whispering to his wife and pointing at Jai, and Jai wondered what he was talking about. And um, so after the music was over, Jai gave people an opportunity to come down if anybody wanted to give a testimony, and this young man walked down, and he said, so I've just got out of prison today, and it was hours away from this village. And he said, I heard that there was um, a service going on, and I came, and I had no idea it was going to be you. And Jai had led him to Christ and baptized him and discipled him in the village. But Jai in the prison. Worked in, I'm sorry, in the prison. But Jai works with so many, you know, he doesn't know each one of them personally. And so the young man uh, testified to his village that um, he wanted to, he was in for drugs and he wanted to work with the young people that lived around there. But it's not a coincidence. Kind of like that your the, story. Yeah. It is not a coincidence that the very day he got out of prison and came hours to his village, that that was the very night that Jai was there. It's the Lord. It is. That's powerful. You know, another thing that's that's interesting is, you know, I said that they had these massive rivers. Well, sound travels really, really well over water, right? Um, and a lot of times we have the, you know, generators that we take and the sound system and everything. And that, it really travels for actually two, three, four miles. It's, it's incredible what an amplifier it is because most times it's going to be on the shore of the river um, normally a, a, a one-room church or a one-room community house or something. And so uh, one time close to the Venezuela border, we were having a celebration uh, services for two nights, and they finished and they packed up and they were heading to the next village. And this one had a road that they were able to access. And so there was a police checkpoint because of all the issues between uh, Venezuela and Guyana. And so uh, our team stopped, and they have this big truck that has all this stuff in it, the you know, flip-flops and the eyeglasses and the, the clo used clothing and so forth that they would distribute. And Jai was thinking, oh, my goodness, we're going to have to unload this whole truck so that they can search it. And the two policemen stopped and said, you know, were you the guys that were doing the service last night? I said, yeah. He said, who was preaching? And Jai said, I was. And he said, well, when you, he, you asked asked share, he asked them to raise their hands hand if, if they, they wanted to accept Christ. He said, we raised our hands. Wow. There were four policemen and two of them raised their hands and prayed the sinner's prayer. And Jai was able to give them Bibles. And the other two, Jai said, well, you know, what, what are you thinking? They said, well, we want to think about it some more. We didn't make the decision, but he gave them Bibles too. Seed was planted. Yeah, you but they were the two miles from where they were conducting the service. They heard it clearly. Wow. That, There's no background noise. I mean, it's jungle and these massive rivers. And again, you said that it was 13 miles wide. or the one. Well, this, this particular river w was merely about a mile. I mean, that's still very <laughs> good. <laughs> uh -huh. So I could see why, you know, they would consider our rivers creeks. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so how many people, I know, I mean, 28,000. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. How many um, more villages you know jungle like do y'all have to reach how do y'all keep up with where you've been and then also as you said you're going back and because once you plant the seed and people do give their lives to christ you want to 
mentor and disciple them. So how is all that? We're in the next phase of, of, you know, establishing and helping grow vibrant, growing churches in the country as sort of that's the next but step. We, we can't leave a person at every one of these tiny little villages. So we we depend on the Holy Spirit to do, we leave, you know, the, the messengers and other churches have given us sermon series. to. So we leave behind materials and we leave also um, literature from churches that um, have extra literature. We take it in. So they have things to study and we can't leave a person at every village, but we do what we can do. And then we go and train those that have showed a lot of interest. And, um, and then we're trying to get to the villages that haven't heard. So there, there are hundreds and hundreds of more villages that haven't heard yet. As you said, you're going back in three weeks for the second, second one, uh-huh. second one. Yep. Yeah. And, and, we have, you know, like we use the uh, messengers with uh, In Touch Ministries, Charles Stanley's ministry. We've just began discussions with another ministry that they feel called to build churches throughout. the world. And so we're probably going to partner up with them for the church building part of the, of the program down there. Right now, it costs us about $2,500 to build a church for about 200 Oh wow! And mm-hmm. and and that that twenty five hundred dollars consists of gasoline to power chainsaws because you you got rainforest, so you got lumber, and so the you know, but they don't have cash currency. But if you if you give them money for the gasoline, you know, they can power their chainsaws, can cut the timber for the church, and if they have a specific species of palm. The fronds are waterproof when you put it on the roof. So, uh, but if they don't have that particular species in their community, then we the the twenty five hundred is enough to provide the zincs, which are like roof um, roof material uh, for so that they've got a waterproof uh, church building. And there's one of those villages that want to reach further than people are five miles away, and they they um, have started a you know. You hear churches that have a bus ministry. They have a boat ministry. Again, you said there's not roads there. Yep. There are no roads where they live. And so there are, they built their own boat and needed a big motor to go five miles in both directions to pick up people to come to the services. A big motor would be a 40 horsepower Honda motor. Uh Uh-huh. And um, so... Um, the motor was going to be $3,000. And so the people in that village um, have, they grow vegetables and they would all grow extra and take them to market and save the money. And they saved up um, $1,500. And then Carmel Baptist gave the other $1,500 to buy the motor so um, they can um, go and pick up people for the services. So that we're, real excited for how um and they used um a lot of um ingenuity to be able to figure out how to go and help other people be able to come instead of those that just live right around yeah because the people that now can come from being further away yeah can go and you know spread the word yeah correct yeah further Further on the other side correct yeah 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 and that's that church is where i'll be in three weeks okay that church is where we're going to do the educational uh, training for those 13 churches. 
Wow. So how can our listeners and people support y'all, whether that's financially, prayers, or even clothes? I know that y'all. So how can we talk about that a little bit? Okay. So um, first of all, I wanted to say that we know that Guyana is what we're passionate about, but other people have passion about other places to serve and other things to do. And we just want to encourage everybody that's a Christian to seriously find their passion because this is what makes us excited and it gives us such joy. And I think um, if everybody will ask God to show them what their talents are and where they can be used, um, that that is just the thrill and the joy of um, serving. And so, um, but Guyana is ours and um, we do need used clothing. These people are so poor in these villages and even if they had money, they can't get to a store, a lot of them. So uh, we would love to have um, get used clothing and um, we don't, nothing that goes to the dry cleaners we take because they don't have dry cleaners and um there are areas where it's cool where we would like to have um you know jackets and sweaters and sweatshirts but not heavy winter coats and so um international celebration association if you go there and there's a way to on there to contact us if you would like to donate clothing or uh, money for us to be able to um, we send money to Guyana and they buy the flip-flops that we need for the people in the villages and for the prisoners. But when they go to these villages, they have a service the first night and then the next day they have a gathering. They announce we'll have a gathering and people add, tell their friends that didn't come to the service, you know, come and we'll be able to get used clothing if anybody needs reading glasses and they use the reading glasses as a ministry. They show them a Bible and use the verses for salvation for them to look at the verse and see what which um, strength of glasses are for their eyes. And so that's how they test it. And they go over those verses and talk to the people about um, salvation. And they've had a lot of people accept Christ just by getting their reading glasses and hearing those verses that the Bible tells us how we can uh, accept Christ and have our sins forgiven. So, and they, so they get clothes and reading glasses and flip-flops and Bibles and then have a second service. And a lot of those people that came in the day, you know, have invited other friends to come to the second service. So um, those are the things that, that we really need is um, the clothing and the help and um, checks to and be prayer. able to and prayer and pr- definitely prayer. And if people want to get on our um, ministry um, email chain, you can keep up with exactly what's going on uh, every month uh, in Guyana. Mm-hmm. And so that's another way to, to just get send involved. me your just email address, internationalcelebration.org. And then we, you can uh, let us know how we can connect you through our, through our email yeah. system. Now, when you come down in July, when we bring American teams down there, we are in the, you know, we stay in hotels and we're in the, the, the larger cities. When I go, I like to go in the bush and things happen in the bush. For example, let me give you an example. So, you know, you've heard a dog bark and it's kind of a, you know, it's, it's a pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, but you've, but there's a real different bark if the dog is terrified. You can tell when a dog is scared. Mm-hmm. Well, one more, uh, we were in a little one-room church right by the river's edge, and it was on about a, 
built on five foot pilings was the the area floods from time to time. And about two a.m. We're on blow up mattresses in the church. We're we're the about two a.m. This dog starts just terrified barking, and all of a sudden, from directly underneath where we're we're sleeping, we hear this the big cat. It's an ocelot, which is you know a little bit bigger than like a bobcat. In other words, it can cause serious damage. It's not something you want to cuddle up with. <laughs> no, no. I mean, this thing this thing is a for real top end predator. And so, what does Jai do? He's in a hammock. He gets out of his hammock, gets his flashlight, gets a stick, goes underneath the church and pokes it so that it runs off into the jungle. I mean, it just, it, you know. You, he said, I wanted to sleep. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we saw the paw prints the next morning and it was a big cat. I mean, when you're tired and irritated and want some sleep, you, <laughs> you do just about anything. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I don't know if I would have done that. Uh-uh. But. Well, he's he is he's he he's not scared. He's so not. prayer, so prayer, especially for our three staff and their families, because um they you know he ended up with malaria and uh, dengue, fe- dengue, dengue fever, dengue fever, yeah. um and he had to battle that. I mean, they they go to some places, and he may um we. We just would love for anybody who will pray for our ministry to do that, that for salvations and for safety. Yeah, because it's a third world country and stuff going on. There. Oh, yeah. And some of the areas is kind of like Jurassic Park. I mean, it's... Uh, I'm a little terrified even watching that movie. Uh, <laughs> so being there. <laughs> yeah, some of these areas you want to get to sleep early before the baboons start yelling. Mm. I mean, it's yeah. it's jungle. Yeah, I'm excited for coming July. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a, a, a fantastic experience for you. And, and if anybody's on the podcast that's a that's a Christian and wants to come, contact us through the website. Yeah, or reach out to me. Um, I can get you all plugged in. Um, Ed, you mentioned Chuck Colson earlier. Um, the funniest small world, now that I've had several guests um, over this year and a half almost, um, I think it was episode 31, Mark Whitaker, um, his stories kind of about greed and um, price fixing with um, company that he was with. But if he hadn't, that hadn't happened and he hadn't turned down the first plea deal, which was six months in prison and ended up getting the, I think it was eight years in prison. Um, but Chuck Colson's ministry um, and Chuck Colson led him to Christ in prison. So just, I wanted to mention that as a small kind of world and um, funny how mm-hmm. things happen and um, it's nothing's by coincidence. That's right. God um, ordains it, I believe. And well, we're still connected with Prison Fellowship. Um, they donated Bibles for us this year to use in the prisons, 2,200 Bibles that they donated for us. And these Bibles are specifically tailor-made. They're study Bibles specifically for uh, men and women in prison. You might want to tell them about the story about the, the, the woman in the women's prison. Yeah, you're, yeah. Do you have time? Well, I mean, we have. It's y'all's episode, okay. so we have time. So yeah, I'd love to. Any okay. more stories? Okay, so this um, this one is amazing. We have a friend who teaches. Uh, I have a, a lady friend who teaches uh, Bible, and um, in her story, in her past, um, she uh, was a, a Christian and went away to college and um, started living on the wild side and got pregnant and had an abortion, and she kept it a secret for a long time. But God let her know when it was time, and touched her heart to use her testimony. Um, and so she was teaching in the women's prison and the first day she looked at those women and she said, not one of you has done anything worse than what I've done because I killed my own child. 
and talk about a connection with women. Yep. So one lady wasn't in the service. She was up in the sewing room, but she could hear. And the next day she came to the service, to the, the teaching, and came down afterward and told that she had accepted Jesus when she said that because she said, I never thought that I could be forgiven because that's what I did. I killed my daughter. And when you said that, it let me know that I can be forgiven. And that lady now writes her own Christian songs and sings them in the worship services in the women's prison and is um, just has a glow, the, the joy of the Lord on her face. And it's an amazing, amazing story. But God chooses the exact people to be in the exact place at the exact time to get his work done. Mm-hmm. And he chooses the ones that are the, from the outward look like the least qualified um, mm-hmm. you know, ones who have experienced life because you're able to relate to the person on the other side. Allow them to know that hey, I'm sitting where you, or I sat where you're sitting now. Be able to really uh, allow it to be just vulnerable situations. I know that's tough. Um, when I was my it's struggles, health, I didn't want people to know that, it, you know, it, it weighs you down a lot. But once you open up and bring it to the surface. There is more of a glow about you and a healing because that weight mm-hmm. is taken yeah. off your shoulders and lifted up. Mm-hmm. Definitely can relate yeah. to how she's feeling in the glow about mm-hmm. her now. Mm-hmm. Um, that's definitely will bog you down when you're trying to hide. Mm-hmm. Um, so, are there any more stories? Or? Oh, we can stay what? here all night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, we just... better we better bring yeah. it to a close. Um, but <laughs> so, as I ask, um, you know, all of our guests, um, just. Any advice y'all have for our listeners, um, whether, you know, even from, you know, your medical business background to just the ministry, but just something that um, helps y'all in uh, a day to day and something y'all hold close? Well, I mean, for me, um, you know, I've had a lot of business success, but that's not what brings joy. And uh, mine is what I was saying earlier. I think of in the Bible where Nehemiah was building the wall after he had been down for so many years and he went back and everybody had their little section of the wall that they were supposed to build. And when everybody builds their section is when the wall can be complete and there can be safety inside. And as the body of Christ, he has a plan for each one of us to build our section of the wall and work in that area. And like I say, ours is Guyana, and other people have different sections of the wall. But, but you got to be open. We, you got to be open. You have to, to be ready to follow what God is saying. Hey, you know, pick your head up and look what I'm doing. Get involved. And that's what I'm doing right now with going back to you know school for counseling because I've never yeah. enjoyed school. Um, but I feel like that's where the Lord's leading me, and I'm very excited. But I'm also nervous and scared because um, it's not something I you know have enjoyed doing school and brings back kind of um, a lot of head trash. Exactly. Yes. Um, but I feel like that's what I'm being called and I'm being open about it. And because um, I know with my past um, and just with all the um, treatment centers, counselors that I've um, dealt with, just the impact they have left on me. And I want to be able to do that um, just as y'all are doing in Guyana. And I'm excited to come down again in July or not again, but come in July with y'all and experience um, y'all's ministry. And um, one more time, what was y'all's website for the listeners? Is internationalcelebration.org. Excellent. So if y'all are listening, please go check that out. Um, and prayers are needed. Um, and for clothes, it's all sizes, correct? That's it's, right. It's not That's just. Right. It's no, everyone. lots of children's clothes. We especially would like to have those. 
Um, well, thank y'all for coming on. It's been an honor just to learn more about y'all's ministry and what y'all are doing down in Guyana. Um, so thank y'all for taking the time just to come. Absolutely. Here. We just yeah. appreciate uh, the opportunity to sit down and share with you and to reconnect. Yes, it's been too long. when you were a little tyke. Yep, yeah. yep. And yeah. grown up a little bit now. So. Exactly. Um, <laughs> six three, about, you know, not ripped like the uh, 225 <laughs> guy, but about that size. And yeah. size 17 feet. He's told you that last time. 15. You, oh, 15. 15. Oh, 15. 15. I'm sorry. I wish it was smaller. Um, size 15 shoes. It's hard, it's hard to Fine buy shoes. shoes. Yeah. Even online at stores, it's hard. But, um, but yeah, that is size 15. So um, I don't buy shoes much because it's a hassle. <laughs> I hear you. Yep. Well, thank y'all again. It's been an honor to catch up and just learn more about y'all's ministry and what y'all are doing in Guyana. So maybe we do another one to follow up after we uh, after you come down with us in uh, July, or do a recording down there. Yeah, absolutely, so that'd be absolutely. Cool. maybe with one of the wardens or something. But oh yeah, we could be, we could get real creative with that. That'd be awesome. So mm -hmm. um, I think we can do that. So that'd be cool. Uh, we could have um, some of the worship service. Oh, yeah. Recorded. It's just, that, you it's, can hear the worship service. That would be cool. And just kind of have a debrief when we get back. Yeah. And have uh -huh. one long kind of recording yeah. there and here. Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, thank okay. you all. Thanks, uh, Chad. Yes, thank you all. And thank you all for tuning in this week to the Rabbit Hole Show. Um, any questions, comments, feel free to reach out. The Rabbit Hole Show 21 at gmail.com. Um, stay tuned for next week. Thanks.